Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'll be joined by Daryl Eaves, and we're going to explore YouTube shorts. By the way, if you want to reach me, I am at Stelzner on Instagram. You can also email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. Also, if you're new to this podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And the last thing is, are you on Clubhouse? I'm on Clubhouse. You can follow the Social Media Examiner Club, or you can follow me. I'm at Stelzner on Clubhouse. By the way, are you sick of your competitors outranking you in the search results? Wish there was an easier way to get more Google traffic. One option is to get an agency on a costly ongoing retainer. The other is to leverage a tool that tells you what to do. Your solution is Ahrefs Webmaster Tools and it's free. This isn't one of those 14-day free trial offers. Instead, it's a super powerful tool that'll do a full website audit for you and keep working for you for free. It'll scan your site and prioritize precisely what you need to fix to improve your search results. Imagine how valuable you'll become as you discover changes that increase your traffic. Isn't it time you started getting Google to work for your business? Visit ahrefs.com slash webmaster dash tools for this free tool. Find the link by scrolling up in your podcast player. Again, visit ahrefs.com slash webmaster dash tools. By checking out our sponsors, you support this show. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Daryl Eaves. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Daryl Eaves. If you don't know who Daryl is, you need to know who he is. He's a video marketing strategist who's generated, catch this, 90 billion views across YouTube and Facebook. His brand new book is called The YouTube Formula, How Anyone Can Unlock the Algorithm to Drive Views, Build an Audience, and Grow Revenue. Daryl, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. I'm just excited because I love I love this podcast for sure. Thanks, man. So today, Daryl and I are going to explore YouTube shorts. And no, we're not talking about shorts with the brand YouTube on them. We're talking about something exciting and new from YouTube, which is a brand new video opportunity. So why don't we start with what the heck are YouTube shorts, Daryl? Because I don't think everybody really even understands what, <laughs> what that is. I, I think even people that are making shorts don't even know what they are. But um, yes, yeah, so YouTube shorts is a way that uh, people can consume content a little bit differently. Now, how it got started is with, uh, you know, all the eyeballs going to TikTok. And what that is, is vertical video that is a different ratio. So it's not like horizontal, it's vertical. And you can go up to a minute. And YouTube noticed that there's a lot of people leaving. So this is kind of their counterattack to that to uh, that platform. So they're they're providing that now as a different type of viewing experience. Okay, so um, so it's a one minute long, nine by 16, kind of takes up the whole phone kind of experience? Yeah. Just like stories or reels or whatever? 
something like that, right? Yeah, so it's, it's similar to that. And I think the the essence of it is um, it's how most people shoot video nowadays. I know that a lot of people will flip the camera around, but, you know, it's like the selfie type style. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the younger generation, Gen Z, uh, that's how generally they've been filming from day one. They don't flip the camera around. That's too old school. That's like a boomer. That's what a boomer does. And so <laughs> that's that's why. And, and Xers, the, too. <laughs> Gen Xers, for sure. <laughs> We're kind of stuck in a very awkward period, yeah. you know, but it's all good. Yeah. So, um, okay. So it's vertical video. And is it available we should probably talk about the fact it's not available on desktop, right? So if you're mostly watching YouTube on your computer or your TV, you're not going to see it, right? Well, once again, boomers watch it on computers and and kids, Gen X, you know, millennials are watching it on their phone. And so, you know, more, more views actually happen on their phone than on the computer. And so I know that's kind of hard sometimes as marketers because we need a bigger desktop and a lot of different things from there. But it started as a beta test in India because um, YouTube loves to do testing and and before they just take it across the board. And as of this year, 2021, they opened it up to, you know, some limited opportunities and it's now expanded out even further. And it's uh, kind of going across the world right now as it expands out to the full market. So we're going to get into what it can do in a little bit, but let's start with like what the opportunity is. Um what do you think is the, why should marketers or creators, right, which um, are probably the creators are going to be the ones that are going to want to latch onto this, but marketers need to pay attention to this as well. But why should they care about YouTube shorts? Like what is the opportunity today and where do you think it's going downstream? I have a lot of foresight on this because I have a lot of history with YouTube. I've been on the platform since 2005 and I've seen, you know, a trend and a pattern and the pattern is this, uh, when a new feature comes out and they're really concerned about something, YouTube's going to do two things. They're going to put a lot of money behind it and the money would be in R and D, uh, but also in paying creators to create content for it. Mm. And the second thing is, is they're going to put a lot of focus and attention of getting distribution out. And so the opportunity is, if you upload a video to YouTube and it's just regular upload, I mean, you literally have videos since 2005 that you're going to be competing with. And some are newer, some are not, but you're literally going to be competing with that. With YouTube Shorts, in the way that it is being displayed right now, there's not a lot of competition with that. There's not a lot of saturation in it. So if you're an early adopter, you're actually going to get more visibility. But if you remember what I said a little bit earlier, YouTube is going to push and promote because they want you to experience success. And so you, you, you are getting, some people are getting millions and millions of views on their shorts because A, there's not a lot of competition. B, YouTube is really promoting it out there. And C, it's like you, there's not a lot of competition. And I know you use that for A, but it's really important that you realize that this is a huge opportunity for both marketers and creators. And I wouldn't just put it in the camp of creators only. So if I'm hearing you correctly, when YouTube rolls out something big, they're going to reward early adopters. Is that really what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. So they just want patterns of success. So if people are talking about it, then uh, more people will do it. Okay. So that's, that's human nature, right? And so if you get into a chat room and somebody says, oh, I just got 10 million views on a short, you're going to be thinking in the back of your mind, I got to do shorts. And I right. can tell you, there's so many people out there that are creating short form content right now because people are having success. That's done organically. YouTube didn't have to pay a dollar for that. All they needed to do is to guarantee that success for someone. And that just comes from, you know what? You know, there's 2 billion active users on YouTube that, that happen every month. All we got to do is just give it to a portion of the people when it's only a few, a handful of videos. And when I say a handful of videos, maybe hundreds of thousands of videos, maybe a million videos, but it's a lot less than what's currently on the platform for the, the main platform. Do you see kind of a big, big trend in short form social kind of video that's not necessarily like, you know, when we think of YouTube videos, we're thinking of like 10 minute long videos, right? Typical, really popular yeah. video. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you've got reels with Instagram, you've got TikTok, and you mentioned earlier, YouTube decided we want in on the game here. Do you think there's some long-term opportunity here that 
YouTube is trying to create so that they can gain back market share from maybe people yeah. that are addicted to TikTok? Yeah, I, I want to state this because this will give you some relevance on why we're having this discussion, Mike, is because two years ago, you asked me what's going to be the biggest thing, you know, in video. And I said, like, TikTok is short form video. Mm-hmm. And I truly do believe it. I, I, I believe it because... I'm kind of like Warren Buffett in the sense of all things video. I kind of watch what kids do, the generation that's coming up. And most of them are watching and sharing TikTok videos. And that petrifies the heck out of YouTube because that's their moneymaker. Like those are the people that will spend hours on videos on YouTube and they're being pulled away on a different platform. So you know that YouTube is going to respond to that. But I think the big thing would be is it's just the new model of how people are consuming content and the creativity factor. And I look at short form video as something that's immediately satisfying. They don't have to wait 10 minutes. They can get it in less than a minute Mm -hmm. and then they can move on. And so it's dealing with immediate satisfaction, but also ADD. They can go on to the next thing and get another satisfaction moment coming from a video. And so that right there has some stickiness factor. And that's the reason why I was saying that uh, a couple years ago that that I said musically and and before it was TikTok is going to be the next big thing. And um, when TikTok came out, I, I predicted it'd be the number one app, which it is just because of that, that immediate satisfaction. And also it goes down a rabbit hole. Um, and their AI is unbelievable of helping the creator create, but also giving the viewer what they want. Do you think there's an advantage to people that already have an established YouTube channel? Or do you think that this is a even playing field and now anybody can get in and create some shorts and possibly leverage that, if you will, to, to do bigger things on YouTube? I'd like to state it like this, like good content will always be good, right? So the advantage of a bigger creator having more opportunity, they could actually see what success looks like. And I think they can see the patterns that what an audience would respond to. And so they have that advantage. However, that being said, I think it's an even playing field for eyeballs. It's going to just be who's going to be consistent at it. And so if you're going to be consistent at it, that means you need to have a programming strategy or a content strategy. And then two, you need to be able to realize that even though you're getting millions and millions of views, you know, to monetize all those things, it it doesn't necessarily translate into big money just because of the inconsistency of the advertising that is actually happening in the short shelf. And so for long-term sustainability, YouTube will put money into it. That's why it says they're going to infuse money into it, which they are. They're paying creators to create short-form videos. And when their creativity comes in, if you have a mediocre video that doesn't really engage with the viewer at the level of someone that actually understands retention, then that's where the disadvantage will be. But right now, it's not necessarily happening in abundance. And so there's a lot of opportunity. But I would 100% recommend that creators or marketers really look at how long does the video need to be? If I have a minute, is it better to be at 15 seconds? Is it fulfilling on that, that, that promise, that hook of what makes that, that piece of content really good? So we're going to talk about exactly what it can and can't do uh, a short, but you referred to the short shelf. So maybe you can just explain to people when they open up YouTube on their phone, like where exactly do they find YouTube shorts? How do they know they're even looking at YouTube shorts? Yeah, that's stories? a great question because it always changes. It seems like every day I open the app, there's something new that's happening. Right. Like how can you tell the difference between a short and a story? Is it obvious or is it not so obvious? Yeah, it's not as obvious as what you'd think, only if you're looking for it. You know, okay. they'll say short video or whatever they're testing out because they're beta testing and and really seeing what will get the best results. But it is on the YouTube homepage. It's only in the app. And when you're on the homepage app, you can just start uh, scrolling down and you'll see vertical videos there. The vertical videos, uh, you can just tell by the length of it if it's the short shelf or not. But once you get into it, it's completely different. It's not like stories is. It's an immersive, engaging experience where it's uh, feed driven in the sense that you're just swiping similar to what TikTok is. And it's just going to random things that you'd be interested based off of your search history and also your watch history on, on the platform. Okay. So you talked about the length and I know you work with a lot of creators, some really, really well known. Like what have you dis- discerned so far works best more that 
shorter 15 second length that a lot of people use on TikTok or longer or like what's your assessment on the ideal length of a short? Yeah, it's my same assessment that I'd have on a video. It's going to be as long as you need to for the audience that you're going after. Now, just to give you context. Gen X, we talked about a little joke about Gen X boomers and, right. you know, Gen Z. Like, Gen X will actually stick on a one-minute video. They will. Even if it's dry, they just do it just because that's kind of programmed into us. You know, right. after a minute, that's kind of iffy if we'll go any bit longer than that. So out of all the demographics, we're probably the the, the ones that our generation came up in when technology, you know, we're the first ones to handle it. We've seen right. it evolve. So we're a little bit more tolerant because we were on you know, dial up and like that alone, <laughs> yeah, you have to have exactly. patience, right? Right. Um, but the new audience, the Gen Z, no, you got to get right to it. Like you, if it's 15 seconds, 15 seconds, if it's a minute, you better, better be spectacular. Well justify that minute. Yeah. So um, is the minimum 15 seconds or is there no minimum? So you can do any uh, type of, of length on it. Um, however, to get it hold up in the short shelf. Um, that is still an issue that YouTube's always dealing with is what to put in there, or what not to put in there. Um, and I've seen if it's under, you know, five seconds, it just doesn't show up at all, you know? And so, and we do a lot of testing. Okay. Know? Real quick um, question is the only way to find this on the, the shelf on the homepage or if let's say, uh, let's say I'm Gary Vaynerchuk, can I go to my page and look at all of the shorts that I did or no? So, a pattern in history is there's an awkward period on the platform when there's a new feature added. And for how aged YouTube is, it's very awkward. And right now, even though that you want it to be a short, sometimes it won't show up as a short and you'll get traffic, like normal traffic to it. And it will be an awkward experience for someone, even on desktop, to see it. And so that's kind of where the disconnect is, is there's just that awkward moment of- So there what isn't is, a home for my shorts right now is what I'm hearing not, you say. Yeah, yeah. But it, once it it, once I get into one of my, it, let's say I got into Gary V's shorts, am I going to be able to see all of his shorts or is it not, is that not how it works? It, yes, you can go in down the rabbit hole and you'll be able to see the ones that YouTube has put that classification that it's in a short. And I'm just saying that just because it's a short form, form video doesn't mean it's going to get picked up. Got it. Okay, so who has access to shorts? Does everybody have it? Can I do it right now if I want to? Or how does yeah. that work? Yeah, you can do it right from your app, you know, both on Android and iOS. And the great thing about it is you can even do it where you're using an external editor and you can upload it uh, to your channel. Just because you're using the app doesn't guarantee that it's going to be included in short shelves. That's kind of one of those things that, like I said, there's that awkward period. And so anyone uh, around the world can do it. Um, and it can get picked up in the markets that actually have that ability for that traffic source. However, that being said, it's still going to show up and you're going to see you're getting videos from YouTube homepage and you're also getting it from subscription feed and you're also getting it from YouTube recommendation. And it won't be near the volume of views that you'd be getting if it showed up in shorts because that's where YouTube is really amping up those videos. So what I'm hearing you say is if I record a video that's under a minute and is vertical, I'm uploading it just like every other video, hoping it gets picked up by shorts. Is that really what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. I'm not labeling it on upload or anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. When I was working with the YouTube team, now the YouTube team that actually put together the YouTube shorts, they wanted some case studies. So they reached out to a few creators that usually gives them case study. And one of which is a client of mine. And so it was just like, okay, this is like a win-win. And I always like to do unique things that you can do. And so we took on that and they gave us very strict instructions to make sure we use the hashtag in the title, uh, shorts, and then also in the description to increase our probability of actually having it show up. Oh, okay. And, you know, I eventually see there's either going to be a way that you can actually upload a short Whereas outside of upload a video or there'll be a button to say, no, classify it, that it is a short. But for right now, it's just basically looking for those videos um, that are meeting the criteria of what a short form video is on YouTube. So you use the hashtag in the title and in the description. Shorts. Correct. And you yeah. recommend that for now 
until they change things just to yeah okay. and you'll be able to see there's a different icon if it's got picked up in shorts and you can it'll view a different icon than just a play button in in analytics and so if that's happening consistently you don't have to necessarily do it in the title after it but it just really it just has to classify oh this is what short form content is and this creator or channel is creating that type of content now, with Reels and with TikTok, you have access to a music library. Um, is that the case with uh, Shorts or is that not there yet? Yeah, I mean, YouTube has the their music library. Uh, they don't have the um, the deals that uh, TikTok has and Instagram. They've worked really hard on getting those deals. Uh, plus, YouTube's history has been pretty awkward with the music industry because that was the first uh, platform that you know had some major fights, especially with people using copyright. And right. so, there's some still hurt feelings on both sides, and so they kind of drag their feet, which is a detriment because I think it enhances the creation. Right. But it's very awkward because uh, you mentioned two platforms that they don't really share in monetization. So it's easy for the the platforms uh, to share with monetization. And even though they do, they do share in monetization with creators, but it's not the same way as as YouTube, where right. it's just a straight cut, you know, and if there's any ad that fires on it, you get a percentage of that. Okay. So is there any kind of trending element to it? Like there is on the other platforms where you like with TikTok, you know how something can trend and you can like kind of follow the wave and all that stuff. My guess is they're not there yet. Is that fairly? Yeah, accurate? we're in the emphasis stage. Uh, so this, <laughs> let me predict what's going to happen. Cause I know YouTube so well, <laughs> like seriously, like, like, if, like if I wrote a book, which I did, but no, it's, they're, they're going to do hashtags next guaranteed. Okay. Like that, the, it, in their DNA, they're like, we need to become what everything else has become. Hashtags gonna, on top of the video. kind of Exactly. Like, it's yeah. like they're going to have hashtag, uh, you know, correlation. And that's the biggest mistake that YouTube could ever make. And the reason why is because that's not the experience that they've created since 2005. And that's an Instagram experience. Absolutely it is. That's a TikTok experience. Absolutely it is. What YouTube is, is more of a predictability engine. And based off of your search history and what you've been doing, that's how it needs to serve content. And so I guarantee it. You're going to see it. I don't know when it's going to hit, but it's going to hit. And and you can mark my words. I will pay $100 to you <laughs> in cash. I trust you. You, know, you don't need to pay it. No, because it's just, it's just <laughs> what they do. And yeah. they just... They react instead of really thinking, what, how's our viewer on YouTube and what makes them different and right. what's an experience that's amazing for them? And I think they're missing some points. And I've, I brought it up with their team, too. I says, look, wouldn't it be amazing that you have this short and make it really, really easy for people to swipe and go to see a full video? So it's right. more like a teaser, right. but it brings them into a different ecosystem. Right. And it'd be like a trailer for some of this stuff. And it's like that moment, like I'm on, I'm interested in this creator. I'm interested in what this marketer is saying, you know, and it's pulling you into a deeper versions. Now I can guarantee you they won't go that direction because they don't necessarily listen to uh, reason. What they want to do is follow trends. And the trend is, oh, this is what's happening on TikTok, but that's a TikTok ecosystem. Right. That's what's happening on Instagram. Well, that's a, Instagram ecosystem. Yes, you can blend worlds, but that's where it gets confusing. And like, look at the stories on YouTube. It's still confusing to this day. And how long has it been around? Feels like a while. Yeah. Like still people can't figure it out. Yeah. So I, I would imagine there's not any really useful creator tools yet for shorts, right? Like I, I'm pretty sure with reels and I'm pretty sure with TikTok, you can do fun stuff, you know, like to edit the video right in the app before you publish it. But I'm imagining right now, most people that are doing shorts are editing those probably on their mobile phone separately or on a desktop and then they're uploading them. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They are introducing some tools and I can tell you the reason why TikTok is what it is. And let me, let me tell you, and I, and I said this a couple of years ago, it's the tools that they give creators to do their job, right? Like they actually have artificial intelligence helping you edit. That is a big deal. What, what does that mean? That means that there's an artificial intelligence that's helping you make better decisions on where to place the edit. So like when you basically pull in some clips and you put it to music, it looks at the where the music is oh, and, it syncs and it up what's somehow? the best place to actually make the cut. That's cool. And, and that's cool because then you look like an amazing editor when you didn't even do anything besides just put the clips together. 
you know, and that's, that's the key. And yeah, you can tweak it and you can analyze it a little bit or change it around, but it's going to randomize it and, and give it a, a, a different fill by putting different music to it. And that's the cool thing about it is it, it knows and it can respond and it has all this data, how people have done it and where it should be in the basis of what your video content is. And so those types of tools need to happen on YouTube. And I want to tell you why is because when you enable marketers and creators and you give them the tools to amplify their creation, it's just a win-win. The viewer has an amazing experience. The creator has an amazing experience and it creates this ecosystem balance. But I truly do believe that YouTube and I'll even put Facebook in this is they tend to focus in on where they think that needs to happen instead of giving the tools to the creators that make amazing content. And so they'll have all these different features for the viewers, which is great, but that's only a part of the equation. The equation is the people that create the content. If you can make it easier for them to create the content and you can make better videos to create the content, if you give them and empower them to do that, that's going to make more viewers want to come back and watch more videos. So there is no editor for shorts right now is what I'm hearing you say. There is one in beta, but it's not released completely out yet. Got it. What about like end cards and subscription? Can you subscribe like you can with a regular video? Can you do any of this kind of stuff with shorts? Yeah. So the cool thing about shorts is there is a subscribe button on all shorts right there. You don't need to add anything to it. Perfect. Where does it appear just so people can visualize it if they're looking at their phone? Lower left-hand side by the name, the channel name. Okay, so that's an area where you shouldn't have any text, obviously, then, right? Because it's going to be covered up by a subscription. What does it look like? Is it just the word subscribe? Just a real red subscribe. Okay. So they can just hit it, hit it and hit subscribe. And then two, you know, keep in mind that, you know, you might be listening to this podcast and things change. That's one of the things that YouTube does is they always split test and, and they go a direction and we're in the infancy stage. So it could modify. And then uh, doing like uh, the end screen elements, like you have to go long enough and uh, long enough is, is past uh, 35 seconds. Oh, okay. So if it's 35 seconds or longer, then you have the ability to add an end card to the end of it or whatever they call it? Yeah, an end screen element. What does so that well, look like? Does it take over the whole screen or how does that look? It would just come on at the, like you'd have to figure out where it pops up. But yeah, you, you're able to have it come up. It just, it, it, it has that element, whether it's a video or a playlist, it'll come up and it'll pop up in there and they can click it. And then it takes them out of the uh, short shelf and it puts them into the YouTube ecosystem. So what kind of options do you have on that end screen? Is it only linking to another yeah. YouTube video or what? Yeah, same options that you have on any video because that's what they, they're treating it as. Ah, it okay. What about comments? So they've been experimenting with some comments and, you know, I've seen them come and go. Do you have to swipe up for it or something or is it hidden yeah. or how does that work? Yeah. And so it's just trying to uh, discover how people are responding to it. I do believe just in the YouTube ecosystem that they're going to need to have it because it's just so much in what we normally would do in that realm. So it's that normal, that normalcy. Right. What about view counts and like thumbs up and stuff like that? Is that also there? Yeah. So on the bottom of it, you'll see thumbs up, thumbs down. Then you'll have a comment thing and then you have a share option and then you'll have three dots that says more. And so right now, you know, it is built in with comments and, and thumbs ups, dislikes and so on. But keep in mind that, you know, that's just user engagement. It doesn't have anything to do if it's going to be served out more or anything like that. Right. But I believe they're still in the testing phase and, and some of those things will come and go as they get into it. Can you embed a short on a website? You can actually uh, embed a short form video if it's not in the short shelf. So if it's, if it's just a regular video, it's just a regular video and you have all the options, you'd have to just search for the video ID outside of that. So usually desktop and you can do it from there. Let's talk a little bit about monetization. Is there money to be made with these? Yeah. So with the views, this is a little complicated answer, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to explain in a simple form. There are views coming outside of the short shelf. Those will be monetized. However, based off of the length of the video, the video ad wouldn't necessarily be high. What does that mean? What they look for. I'm not sure I'm tracking. So are there video ads currently served up on the shelf? Is that what I'm hearing you say or no? No, what I'm saying is, and this is where I said it's a complicated answer, but when you upload a video, regardless if it's a short form video or a regular video, it creates a video ID. 
okay? That video ID, you can get views on all different traffic sources. So it could be YouTube homepage, it could be subscription feed, it could be suggested video, um, it could even be on external. Mm -hmm. And one of the other options is the short shelf, okay? So if it gets picked up on the short shelf, you're not going to get the monetization option uh, to make a ton of money on it. You might get a whole bunch of views, but where you'll make the money is where the ads will actually fire. And right now, the system would be on all those other traffic sources that I talked about. And so, yes, there's money to be made, but it's very low because it's, there's not that integrated option that fires and gives credit to creators in that unique way. So is the strategy here to kind of like get exposure and hopefully subscribers to your channel so that they'll see some of your other content that's not shelf content? Yeah, I think it's a land grab right now where you can get a lot of visibility, a lot of subscribers, and you can get some loyalty happening. And I can guarantee you, YouTube will figure it out where they can compensate the creators. Because that's one thing that, that YouTube does very, very specifically is they look at how do we provide for the creators because they know that that's an important part to their ecosystem. Now, some people are probably wondering, okay, what the heck is the difference between a story and a short? So maybe you can kind of delineate what story does or does not have that, you know, what's the difference? Help me understand that. So I think it's the essence of the intent, right? So the story, you're tapping to get to the end of the story, and then you're still in the ecosystem of that that specific creator, right? Or it goes to another creator, but it's more uh, smaller videos that videos or stills that are you know ten seconds, fifteen seconds, whatever, and you know there's that progression of it, and so they they'll just kind of do it in their clips depending on the platform. On the shorts, what it is, it is a short form video and it is not progression. It's to be completed, right? There's no continuation of anything. Um, on TikTok, they might have, hey, this is part one of a 10 part series. That's fine. But you, you're only going to get that one video and it's going to go to something completely random after that or based off of what you're subscribed to or what you're engaging with. Okay. What about the shelf life? Talk about that. What's the difference between the shelf lives of these? Yeah, so on a story, you, we all know that there's a deterioration rate where it just disappears unless you save it, right? The shelf life is until you delete it off your, your library. It's on. For which like It's always there for shorts. Ah, so a story, I think, has a week, doesn't it? It only lasts yeah, for a week, seven days. It? So with a story, it's gone in seven days. With a short, it's there potentially forever. And... And is it, is it possible just like YouTube videos that over time they start showing it to more people and if more people Absolutely. engage with it, more people will see it and it could kind of become like another video on your platform that just takes off? I had um, an individual reach out to me and was really excited with the 100 million video views that they got on some older content that they shot back in 2015. Uh, wait, tell me more. I'm not sure I'm following with you. So No, I just barely got off a consultation call before you. you oh, you're, you, talk, you're talking about a video that was filmed in 2015 that had 100 million exactly. views. But that's not related. Exactly. Oh. Under a minute. And it got picked at the short shelf and it had a ton of views on it. And it, it really really excited about it. Oh, so what you're saying is they happen. Yeah. And that's kind of, I'm glad you brought that up because I was looking up some sort of hardware thing the other day and I saw the guy filmed it in video, which is weird. I'd never seen that before. I found it in search. The whole thing was filmed in video. So if it was under a minute, you're saying it could still get picked up in shorts and that could, absolutely. So wait, this guy did it, did once shorts rolled out, did his views go through the roof? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. Um, yeah. It just basically got picked up and it was a vertical video, which YouTube allowed you to do, but it got picked up in this, you know, this, this way and it just got a ton of views. Wow. Let's talk about some use cases, creative examples that you've seen. If you can name off the client or the examples, great. If you can't speak of it generically, but let's talk about some creative ways that you're seeing people use shorts just so people can wrap their head around it. So I think the biggest thing is there's creators that will integrate it completely into their channel. So I have a client, his name's Legal Eagle. He does like law reviews or make law, you know, understandable by just the average person. And he uh, had a lot of discussion because there's a lot of legal issues happening in the world today, especially in the United States. And uh, he used short form uh, content, uh, the shorts, 
to talk about things that are in the news when it came to legal things. Mm -hmm. And uh, that wasn't necessarily something that he would do in longer form videos because it wouldn't warrant a 15, 20 minute discussion on some of those items. And it made it a lot more relevant. And so you can check that out. Um, He's consistently doing that. And it actually, he appreciates it because he's able to talk about a wide variety of things that he couldn't do uh, normally in that environment. So wait, he's doing a one minute video, vertical video, probably just yep. with his phone, right? I mean, is that how he uses a camera? He has a, just his um, digital his, SLR. setup. So yep. he's just flipping it sideways to film it on, yep. on the side and yep. he's just doing it tra- or cutting it down. So it's no more, longer than a minute. Is that what I'm hearing you say? He does a pretty good job at just delivering it in a minute, you know? And so he doesn't cut it down, doesn't really edit it. He just, just sits and talks about it. So and that has really worked well for him? Worked really well. Any other examples of anything you've seen, even wh- even if they're not your client? Another client that we used was Mr. Beast Shorts. You can see that that uh, channel, um, it's exploding. I think we're at uh, 4.5 million subscribers. And you can see we're getting... Wait, you know, Mr. Beast has a channel just for shorts? Correct. Uh huh. Tell us a little bit about the strategy behind that, if you could. Like it was more of an experimentation, you know, experimentation of what what would happen when we can do something. And we did have a lot of footage that never saw the light of day. And then we had some TikToks that really took off. And we're like, okay, let's just kind of blend to see what can happen. Right now, it's uh, just really easy things that we can do that would be on brand that um, would respond really well with his current audience. And so, you know, one video was I gave away $10,000 if the video ends or whatever. Got 10 million views, you know, and it's really, really engaging. And they were able to do it in a minute. And others that were part of another video that brought some curiosity factor to go watch another video. And so it's just these different elements that would uh, further explain a storyline in a main video that they'd want to go watch, or it would reinforce it because they're like, oh, that was really cool. But I never saw that moment because it wasn't necessarily in it because we were worried about uh, retention. So in this particular example, is he creating a video that is more like outtakes from a bigger video or is it a standalone video or is it designed to get someone to go from the shorts to the long? Do you understand? A little bit of everything. Um, Like one, like I'm the world's greatest samurai was just a video that we shot and it has 63 million video views on it. And it was just a very stupid little thing where he just opened and closed the samurai sword just really quick. I mean, just so quick. And then, Someone in the background, his name's Chandler, had his arm fall off, which was a mannequin arm. You know, just something dumb. But it's like, <laughs> it just, it, it was fun. It's on brand and like people liked it. People respond to it, you know. Right. Um, but it, it, I, I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, these just little moments that are happening that they have a little bit of time and they're like, hey, what if we did this for a short? And they're able to, you know, to do that. Do you recommend people create original content for shorts or if they have a library of content, figure out a way to maybe edit something together to put it out there to see if it'll fly. What's your thoughts? So I get this question asked a lot. I I would say just the nature of how the viewing behavior is in a short form content on YouTube. If you have content that has performed really well on TikTok, not, not Instagram, TikTok, um, I would say that could work. However, some of those videos actually have music that would have uh, content ideas. Issues. So that's kind of the, yeah. the struggle that you have there. But that's the type of ecosystem that you're in of how they perform on the IGTV aspect. It's just not the same experience that you get that you would in that form. Just the way that you're able to come in and out of it. It is really good, but I, I I haven't seen really good examples of that. Now, I've seen people that have created amazing short form content on YouTube and put it on Instagram and TikTok, uh, and it's worked really well on both platforms. And so, it's just more understanding this. There now, I have a, a channel that we own. We're we're going back through our back catalog, and are creating short form content and and editing it differently. And you know, we have like ten different variations that we're testing out right now. And we haven't even launched our channel yet. We created it. We haven't launched it yet. But when we go, it's going to be banger and it's going to get uh, a ton of views because it it's having the element of what you need to do to really succeed with short form content. Do you find that it's got to be entertaining 
generally speaking, because that's what I think of when I think of TikTok and Reels, right? Super entertaining. No, no. I, I don't think it has to be entertaining. It just needs to fulfill on a promise, right? So, like, I'm huge into chess. I love playing chess. I play it every day, you know, with, with just, you know, online with my kids, with everything. So like the one I'm watching, you know, today, it was like how you sacrifice your queen to win at chess. Like it was just fulfilling on that promise and you're able to see it in a minute. Right. I watched the whole video twice. I'm like, oh, that's really cool strategy. Right. And, you know, others would be, oh, this epic moment or, you know, I'm going to 3D print, you know, a, a snow duck or whatever it is or, you know, the whole announcing of the other thing. And it could be an epic moment in a video. Do you recommend starting a new channel like you said you're working on and Mr. Beast did? Or do you recommend maybe just starting with uh, your existing channel just to see yeah. if you can? What's your thoughts? This is by far, if you're ever considering shorts, you really need to listen to what I say. Okay. Because this this right here has all relevance to everything. And this is one of the most uh, sensitive to. But the viewer, is it going to disrupt the viewer? I've had students of mine and also clients says, I want it on the main channel. I'm like, no, it's not that, like, I think the viewer will hate what you're doing. And like, like if it doesn't get picked up, it's going to be in their face. And mm-hmm. I says, you need to do a different channel for it. And when it happened, they had a lot of subscriber loss and people like, dude, if you do another one, I'm never coming back because they just, they, they have this expectation of what that content is and you've taken them out of that world. Now, if you're like legal Eagle, which I recommended that he do it because it's in the world that he wants. And he was able to uh, do the narration and everything where it really weaved in and amplify the viewing uh, patterns and behavior, then absolutely I'd say do it. So it's a case-by-case discussion. Um, I would say nine times out of 10, uh, it's going to disrupt the the viewing patterns unless you don't have any views and any subscribers, then it doesn't matter because no one's really watching your content anyway. Got it. So what I hear you saying is because it is a level playing field, spinning up a new channel isn't necessarily a bad, it's not going to hurt you. Right. And it might hurt you more to put it in your existing channel. If it, if it comes out of left field and people are like, what the heck is this? (laughs) Right. Yeah. They subscribe to and watch hours and hours and hours of your content. And then you put out this form of content that's totally off brand. That's a problem. That could be a problem. Yeah. All right. Tell us about your new book, The YouTube Formula. What will people discover if they go ahead and grab that book? So the reason why I wrote a book was I'm a consumer of books. I read anywhere between 74 to, you know, 94 books a year. Um, I love knowledge and I love people that are willing to share their life experiences and knowledge to help me become a better person. So that's the first reason why I wrote the book. And I wanted to write a book that wasn't necessarily about the latest hack or craze or whatever, because those are fast and fleeting. And I had a life experience where... I uh, try, I was that type of person always looking for the latest hack or whatever, and my life is always in chaos. And it was when I was able to understand that there's higher purpose of what, uh, you know, at the time Google was, was looking to do. And when I was in line with their mission and what they're trying to accomplish, then I just always found success. And so um, I wanted to write a book on YouTube, and I've been on YouTube since 2005. And I've seen the evolution of YouTube. And I think that as we understand history, it can better understand our current situation. And I want to be able to give not only the history of YouTube, but also why they made certain decisions and the the ramifications and the complications that it made. And that gives you a better understanding of where they're going to go. Because like history repeats itself, especially if they're a brand of making the same type of decisions. And there's a, a, a reasoning behind it. So you can almost anticipate where they're going to go. So the whole hashtag thing, when I said that earlier, is based off of them trying to do it four different times. Mm. Um, and they're trying to become something that they're not. And that's why I say that's going to happen. And so that's why I wanted to write the book. And there's three parts of the book. And I thought this was really important. Um, the first part is understanding the platform, understanding what YouTube is as a company, but also what YouTube is as a platform. So we really deep dive in its history, but also um, the decisions that they made to in 2012 to switch over to an AI 
and what the ramifications of that AI is doing and how that took YouTube into a certain direction. And when they completely adopted it in 2013, how that transformed the platform. And so once you have that relevance, we talk about the ecosystem between the viewer, the creator, also the advertiser is that trifecta of YouTube trying to balance a very, very difficult thing to do because like no one's ever happy with YouTube. And it's understanding why they do certain things. And then you'll understand how to really amplify that. So that's part one of the book. Part two is the opportunity. And I did this for a reason. I wanted you to understand the platform first and then the opportunity. And the opportunity is much more than just doing, um, you know, sharing in the partner program where you're getting a percentage of the ads that are there. Um, The opportunity really, really is, you know, coming in. And I show a case study where this lady was bankrupt and uh, moved out of the state of California out of necessity and was able to kind of follow her passion and create content on YouTube. And now she's worth hundreds of millions of dollars and is the biggest um, supplier in her niche in the world. And it's because of her YouTube following. It's because of her social following and who she is. And, you know, I, I've been able to just showcase all these different examples in it. And so I wanted to show the opportunity of how I see the opportunity of being in the space. And then part three is the, the name of the book, The YouTube Formula. And let me just give you a little secret. The YouTube Formula isn't the formula to understand the algorithm, but it's the, under, the, the formula to understand humans and how humans respond to video. And why they do certain things. And so I've really geeked out over the course of my life of understanding the psychology of why people do things online and why they engage with certain types of things and, and some of the predictability. Because the the YouTube formula or the human formula is closely followed by the algorithm. The algorithm actually looks for patterns in humans and, and responds to it. And if you understand the goals and the objectives of that AI – and you understand the, the goals and the objectives of what humans have when they come to YouTube as a platform, then that's where you can have synergy. And Mike, that's where the billions and billions of video views have been created is because it's not rocket science. It's, it's understanding people and what people will find valuable. I got to tell you, I am shocked that, that you wrote this book. And I'm going to tell everybody why. I know Daryl pretty well. We're friends. And Daryl has a lot of wisdom and knowledge that he does not share. But the fact that he is doing this in this book is a big deal because I don't know anybody who has the kind of analytical brain like you do and who has figured this stuff out and and who has a track record like you do in YouTube. Nobody. So this is obviously and look, I've written a couple of books. I know there's not a lot of money in books, but the <laughs> fact that you put this out there is kind of a big deal, people, because this is going to change a lot of people's perspectives and you know, kudos to you for finally revealing, you know, um, what you've known for a very long time. That must not have been easy. (laughs) Well, it was when your purpose is making an impact in the world. And if you want to facilitate a bigger impact, then you actually share knowledge. Right. That's why I said I'm I'm a consumer of knowledge and I believe knowledge should be open source Mm -hmm. because that's the only way, Mike, that we're going to elevate humanity. That's the only way that we're going to elevate ourselves in the world that we live in. And so for me to be selfish with this knowledge isn't necessarily going to do good in the world. And if my goal and responsibility is to make this world a better place, then it's my duty to share what I've learned and package it in a way where that people can take that take action. Uh, can actually, um, you know, make an impact in their own realm. And so the end all result is I'm hoping that I'll inspire people that are like me, people that want to do good in the world, want to be able to um, help elevate the world to a higher, higher realm. And it doesn't matter if it's in Pokemon. It doesn't matter if it's in, you know, repairing, you know, outdoor furniture. It doesn't matter what it is. It's like if I can elevate someone of their understanding to provide not only for their family, but to build a business and a team. Um, and that that's transformative, right? And especially if someone is destitute and, and, and take this information and can and better their life, then I believe that, you know, that, that there will be blessings and, and karma, whatever you want to call it, right. coming back to me. Uh, to further my own things that I want to do. But for me, it's not about money. It never has been. And we've had these conversations before, but it's been more about really making a mark on the world in a positive way. 
where do you want them to go to get the book, the U2 formula? And where can they discover more about you if they want to reach out to you? Yeah. So for me, um, you can go anywhere they sell books. I have a, a, a distributor, a publisher, you know, that, that handles that. But if you want to get a closer connection with me, it would be going to ytformula.com. There's some added bonuses that, that's there that you'll have access to. Um, and also, I learn differently. I like to, um, there's like if we're doing a book about YouTube, it's kind of hard to write a book about YouTube videos. I like to show things. So I actually have a, a, a small micro course that's included in the book. And that's where you, you're going to need to go anyway, because the book's going to lead you there, is YT Formula. You might as well go and get the other extras, like a training day with me and Mr. Beast. Sweet. So, ytformula.com Daryl Leaves, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights with us. We're better because of it. Thank you. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Hey, if you missed anything, don't worry. I took all the notes for you. Head on over to socialmediaexaminer.com slash 449. If you're new to this show, hit that subscribe button. I've got an amazing lineup coming your way. Are you a longtime listener to this show? Would you let your friends know about it? You can tag me on Instagram. I'm at Stelzner. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your fast talking host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.